Hi again, I'm Jack Lozenberry, and welcome or welcome back to Politics and Prejudices, the podcast. This is sort of an evolution of the column I wrote and the radio commentaries I did for many years. Hope you enjoy and keep listening. You can also catch up with my writing and essays in any podcast you may have missed on my website and blog, lessonberryinc.com. That's ink as an ink pen. Perhaps the best thing about being a journalist is the fascinating people you run into along the way and their fascinating stories. And the purpose of these is to bring some of both to you, along with their perspective, and some of my own irreverent thoughts. So please settle back and listen and stay tuned afterward for my signature essay on this topic. I hope you enjoy. And again, please follow me and catch up on episodes you may have missed on LessonburyInc.com. Now, today's topic. Whatever your background, income, or status, you're concerned about crime. It affects everyone. Some crime is as old as humanity itself. Murder, theft, burglary, but also new types of crimes. When we were young adults, at least people the age of myself and the gentlemen on our panel, nobody ever heard of cybercrime, and fishing, fishing is something we did in Lake St. Clair. There were drugs, but I guess nobody had ever heard of fentanyl or crystal meth. Police didn't wear body cams. It was a world that in some ways was very different, and others pretty much the same. What's well, really happening in terms of crime today? We're told that violent crime is down, but what does that mean, and how can a person best protect themselves in this sometimes frightening age? Well, today we're lucky enough to have three gentlemen in the studio who know more about crime than just about anyone, the sheriffs of all three major metropolitan counties. Michael Bouchard's been sheriff of Oakland County for an astonishing 20 years. Benny Napoleon has been Wayne County Sheriff for a little over 10 years, was Detroit Police Chief before that, and uh, Anthony Wickersham, the new kid on the block, has been Sheriff of Macomb for eight years, nine years now, but he's been with the department for a third of a century and has held every rank and done, I believe, every job in the department. So we've got a wealth of experience here, and gentlemen, it's an honor to have you all here today. Thanks, Jack. So, thank you. I want to start by saying, by asking, uh, criminals don't usually respect county lines, so do you three guys cooperate in a lot of stuff? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, we're like brothers. We, uh, <laughs> we enjoy each other, we um, get along great, we get together periodically. Um, usually we have a regular lunch, in fact, we have one scheduled uh, today. Oh, wow. Um, we have a, an arrangement that if I've got something that they can use, it's theirs. And if they have something that helps us, it's it's ours. And so, so you started the three amigos. Absolutely, <laughs> definitely you have to be. You know, each one, each one of us runs the county jail, and we can guarantee you that the residents that come through the county jail will visit all three county jails at probably some point. Uh, it tends to be the case. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure you keep a nice establishment, but I'm going to try not to visit it. Uh, um, I think a lot of folks. We we're talking before we started. I think a lot of folks really don't understand the difference between sheriff's department, sheriff's deputies, police departments. It is somewhat different in every county, correct? Yeah, uh, I think. Well, first and foremost, uh, each of us are the chief law enforcement officers right. in our respective counties, which means that we have jurisdiction throughout the entire county, which is different from a municipal police department where their jurisdiction stops at their borders for the most part. Now, does that mean you're over the Detroit Police Chief? No, not at okay. all. Right. That just means that we have jurisdiction throughout the entire county and we can police uh, to a great degree uh, most of the in incidents that occur in any of those communities. So, which is a lot different because we don't have to stop at a border just like criminals right, don't right. stop at borders. Exactly. Now, you, but you don't. You're not first responders. Not in not not to Wayne County, but right. I think uh, Macomb and Oakland both have first responder yeah. responsibility. We're the uh, police agencies for six communities in uh, in Macomb County. And also, also in the northern part of the county, there's that means they don't have their own police. They, ha they don't have their own police departments, and they contract with us for police service. And yeah. it's you know 
Same, same with us. Yeah. How about an open? Same with us. We're actually the largest, uh, one of the largest police contracting agencies in the country. We have 14 communities and almost 400,000 people under our contract. So just that side makes us the um, second largest. That's a pretty largest, large police department. Yeah, that makes us the yeah. second largest, only the city of Detroit police department by itself um, in the state. And the other thing that we do um, that, you know, we all try to do is help our locals. So our chiefs call on us for lots of things. We at uh, Oakland County provide forensic lab services, DNA, right. um, SWAT, auto theft. We run narcotics enforcement for the county, computer crimes, helicopters, dogs, um, pretty much you name it. And then we all also do Marine Division. So anything that happens on the water uh, mm. anywhere in the county, we're charged with under law. Um, that responsibility. So we have dive and rescue teams. Wow. Um, you know, pretty much anything you can imagine in terms of support service, we provide 24-7 to our local chiefs. And they call on us a lot. Fire investigations. We have a fire unit, arson unit. Um, so all that's in addition to our primary patrol areas, which include a lot of communities you would know, like Pontiac, Rochester Hills. My Clark, guess and, would be that you maybe end up, end up doing even more of that because everybody's budgets are tight. And I suspect that you may have other cities that are thinking about getting out. Well, I think at least in, in Macomb County, I, I think we're at that point where everybody's pretty much stable. Um, right. You know, we were talking, you know, before we went on the air here and, you know, we, we're not out there looking for more work and right. taking on more responsibility. But as a sheriff's office, if a community, and that happened uh, with two communities in Macomb County, the city of Mount Clemens and, <coughs> and a small village in New Haven where uh, they received got into financial trouble and we're looking for an out from a law enforcement perspective, they came to the sheriff's department and we now provide the uh, police service in those communities. In Wayne County, there are several communities that are still struggling with their finances and many of their departments have been decimated. Some of them cut as much as like 60%. So wow. they're trying to figure out how to continue to deliver services. Clearly it would be more economical for us to come in and police it because it wouldn't be uh, a lot of duplicity. But again, um, I'm not going out advocating it. I'm here if they need to help. If they want it, then we're willing and capable of providing so it. So you would be first responders in those communities? I would be. Right. If, so, if in fact, they choose for us to be. But, you know, people like to hold on to their police agencies and they want right. to be in control of the people who are patrolling their community. Sure. I'm not really opposed to that. But... Uh, some economics won't just allow it, so we have to be ready if that happens. The one, the one important point to make, though, is that you know, um, when we contract with a community, they they get to tailor what they right. see in terms of services. They, you know, it's a la carte. They pick what they want, and we only charge cost recovery. So we make right. nothing on right. it. It's no. Um, so Oxford would likely have different needs from Hazel Park. Exactly. exactly. So whatever they need specifically to the community, they may want a desk officer. Like Pontiac has a desk officer 24-7 um, because they get walk-in traffic. A lot of communities are more rural. They don't get walk-in traffic, and it makes sense to stick an officer at a desk. Right. So all of that is a la carte. Um, but as Benny said, the price point and the consolidation and that savings. So when we assumed operations in Pontiac, we saved them $2.1 million dollars. And wow. added over 30 people to the road because we run very lean and we run most of the command structure from the central part of the agency and not budgeted for that local community. 
Do you have enough people to do the job you need to do, this complex job? It's a challenge. I mean, we cut 165 positions in the budget downturn and have got two back. So, you know, mm. we're running lean like every police agency in the state. Police agencies are down, and, and of course, this most recent budget didn't help in Lansing. Uh, right. The governor vetoed and eliminated 120 deputy jobs statewide instantly with the stroke of a pen. Aren't they still struggling to try to get that back as part of the reconciliation? We are. I actually pulled her aside on the other day when <laughs> Benny and I were together at a dinner, and, and I proposed an idea to her, and she seemed interested. Um, we'd like to get secondary road patrol back to what it was when it was originally started in 78. It's been decimated. It was almost 400 deputies, and now we're at 120, and she wiped wow. out that remaining. So we'd like to see that back because that covers the whole state and really helps everybody. Well, you know, I'm piggybacking what Mike said. I'm 200 people short every single day, and I'm having a very difficult time recruiting. I mean, these guys have better compensation packages and retirements and all that. Mike's always stealing my people. Sure. (laughs) I can jump right in there, and I'll, I'll tell you what I'm experiencing, but go ahead. I figured you probably had too many people and too much money. No, no <laughs> you know we're, we weren't, you know, and we, I've said this publicly because we're, we're looking at trying to get a new facility, a new jail. Right. Um, you know, we're still using the 1950s and 60s facility. And there have been some problems. And there have been some, some problems that, that, you know, again, not, don't want to go into details. Right. Some that we're taking some issues with. Some of them are just, you know, anybody can sue anybody. Right. And nobody follows up on what happens in the court. But <clears throat> um, we're just looking at, trying to get people and trying to get them to stay. You know, right. We're not properly staffed in the jail. We never have. So we're looking to get our numbers back up so we can properly supervise inmates with inside the facility. But from a road patrol sp- perspective, when, when Benny talks about, you know, we're getting a little bit paid, uh, you know, I have to sponsor people. I have to send them to the police academy. So I pay them for 17 weeks, and I, I pay that $6,500 to the college to get them trained. And then they go. Yeah, and then they go work for a smaller department that's paying more and, right. and has better benefits, and uh, you know that's really a, a struggle for us. So you can't you can't require them to spend a certain amount of time working for you. No, um, you know we're we're looking at some agreements through the legal department right. to see what kind of um, you know finances maybe we can recoup. Right. You know for sending them. Well, but let me just tell you this: we had that in Detroit. If they took it to court. <clears throat> We lost. So there's, there's precedent out there. Yeah. So. Sheriff Benning to pull in, what does a new sheriff's deputy in Wayne County make? About 36000 How about Oakland? Uh, a bit more than that. Yeah, quite a bit more than that. <laughs> <laughs> and and I about, think it's about forty-seven, and then sure. is that a, up from is, there. Is that adequate to attract decent people? Uh, you know, what a lot of the new employees are looking at now, and, and really I think we can all – imagine and, and speak that when we started in the business you know we just looked at the bottom line you right. know, how much am i going to make an hour right because that's what you know young kids and sure you know we're looking at you know what right. am i going to get paid now these kids are looking at what i'm going to get paid an hour they're educated now they're looking at you know what's my pension benefit going to be is it defined contribution or is it defined benefit still and am i getting health care at the end Mm-hmm. So we're having a hard time because our deputies will will max out. I think right around sixty six thousand, and um, you know there's some communities in Macomb County, and I don't know how they survived, but they did, and they're they're, they're paying seventy five and still have a pension. 
Well, I'm a little older than you guys. We're all of us over 50, shall we say. And I don't think any of us thought about that when we were young, when you take your first job in your 20s. I, maybe you were, Sheriff Bouchard. You're always a forward-looking guy. But No, I, I, I didn't. I didn't. And that's going to be reflected in the lack of pension. I don't have, I don't have a pension at Oakland County. I've been there 20 years. You know, we got out of I think you just heard him announce he's running for real life. <laughs> I'm sure of that. Uh, here's about yeah. abstract. Just out of curiosity, all you guys are elected. Do you think elected sheriffs make more sense than appointed ones? Oh, absolutely. Tell us why. Because uh, you get away from the politics. We right. don't have to. We are the only law enforcement people in the country that are elected by the people. So we get a chance to serve folks, and they get a chance to say, they give us a report card. Right. Either you're doing good or you're doing bad. If we're doing right. good, we get reelected. If we're doing bad, we don't. Well, get you guys re-elected. must be doing something. Uh, Sheriff Bouchard's Republican. You guys are Democrats, and none of you have had a tough election, re-election, as far as I can remember. They're all tough, but, man. Uh, they're all tough. <laughs> <laughs> none of you have had an election that was recounted. Well, none of, us, none, none of us have lost. lost. That's, that's for sure. That's always, that's right. always the, the sign. Uh, that's always what you want in your report card. But right. see, the, the the thing that makes difference for sheriff, as Benny was saying, is that we're directly responsive to the people. So right. we get to speak our mind and, you know, do exactly what we think is appropriate without somebody coming in for a political reason right. saying, I don't want you to do that or don't do that or okay. keep your mouth closed. Don't crack down on kids. Because every yeah. other police agency head is appointed by a political person. So right. the governor appoints the state police, mayors or councils appoint uh, their police chiefs and in townships. You know, they're appointed by, they're all appointed by elected officials. And most of those elected officials are not career law enforcement. Right. Correct. And so in our case, most of uh, everybody in, in sheriff's office around the state are career law enforcement and I've had chiefs time and time again, probably you guys both have too. Chiefs will come up to me and go, I can't say anything. My city manager doesn't want me to say anything exactly. on this. Right. But can you go out and say something about this issue? And right. we can and we do. And and again, you know, it's like no one tells us what position we have to take on a very sensitive issue. I mean, we can right. step up and say, hey, this is what we believe as an agency without someone else Whispering and chipping in our you this okay, here's your position on this issue. Well you've all had right. three other you've all had several hundred thousand people hire you and give you a four year contract. Absolutely. So that's, uh, See, and right. that's where we talk about from the, the local perspective, a police chief has to worry only about, you know, four people that could put that person out of a job. Right. Right. You know, right. we're we're looking at hundreds of thousands. And if you look day. at continuity, you just talked about the years we've been serving. The average police chief tenure three about years. three years. Wow. So lots of times they don't even get a chance to fully implement their vision for an agency and then somebody else, else comes in and it's a new vision. New mayor, and and they get buffeted back and forth and there's never continuity where we can, you know, lay out a vision, begin to accelerate the promotions of people that buy right. into that vision and make true change. I retired from Detroit in 2001. Well, I should remind people you were the police chief. Oh, yeah. I was the police chief in Detroit. But since I retired as chief, I think Detroit has had either eight or nine police chiefs in that 19 years mm-hmm. that I've been gone. So, you know, the turnover has been just tragic for the agency. But don't you need some time in a job like that? Absolutely. Years That's just what Mike was just saying. Yeah. They don't get a chance to really implement anything because they don't really have the longevity. I think Jimmy Craig now has been the longest longest, serving chief since Bill Hart. Hmm. So, I mean, he's had an opportunity to do some things, but 
outside of that, you know, it's she's just patient. came and gone, and everybody knows, mm -hmm. hey, he's just going to yeah. be here. She's going to be here. Wait him out. Yep. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, just talk about, about sort of crime, and and uh, we hear violent crimes down. Are you all finding that's the case? Do you have any theories about that? Uh -huh. Is that not the case? <laughs> I, I I really don't believe that, uh, to be honest. I think that a lot of it is that uh, a lot of people are not maybe reporting stuff, mm. but from the, the, the reactions that I get from people is they're still very concerned about crime. And uh, I just, it, and, and that's really what matters. You, the numbers can say whatever they want. Right. But if the people believe that things are not better, then it's really not better. So, you know, I get those questions from folks in the communities that I serve that really believe that they're that, that they don't believe when you say crime is down. And you all uh, you know, people don't realize you all have huge the big three biggest counties in Michigan. You've got 1.7, 1.8 million, 1.3 million almost about getting Macomb is the fastest growing county, about eight hundred and fifty thousand yep. folks. Yep. So I, do you two gentlemen agree with Benny? You know, we see it um, looking at the numbers and when you look at the statistics throughout the county, the reporting may be down or, or the, through the UCR um, crime reporting. But, you know, our investigations are, are still coming in, um, you know, whether it's uh, armed robberies or assaults, homicides, criminal sexual conducts. You know, our detectives are, are dealing with the Do you cases. think people are not reporting crime? There could be that. There could okay. be the reporting aspect of it. There are some people that don't want to go through with cr crime. Right. Um, well, know. it also goes to, to what uh, Benny said earlier about a lot of the local agencies being decimated down 60%. Right. If if you're in an, a community that's been decimated like that, a lot of times they don't call. So, right. for example, when we assumed operations in Pontiac, 911 response time was 80 minutes. <laughs> that's for 911. Wow. So if somebody, you know, breaks into your car, a lot of those folks, they're not going to call because you're not coming... Right. For 80 minutes, if you call 911, you're certainly, you know, so, and that one, lots of times when we pull up in the beginning, when we assumed operations, they would go, you came, because they were surprised. Right. And so, you know, that begins to develop and, and you know, people. What's response of, time now? Uh, all priority calls are six minutes or less. Well, murder's down. It's kind of pretty hard not to report murder, correct? It's not. Oh, yeah, it's murder's, down murder's always a pretty. Yeah. Uh, you can't. You can't. Homicide, homicide I should say. Murder is a formal charge. Is a homicide down in Oakland? Yes. Same yeah. in what? this year. We're down. Why is that? Um, I think you know a lot of different reasons. I think we all work better. I think there's more scientific advances. There's more cameras. There's more closures. There's you know things like that, but. Uh, you know, it can also be cyclical. And one thing I want to say, you know, a lot of us, and I won't speak for my two friends here, but a lot of people are talking about criminal justice reform, and, and I'm all for it as long as it's really reform and it's surgical. So, for example, when they did criminal justice reform on the federal level in the First Step Act, in the original draft, they said you had to be convicted of, of a crime that was obviously one that sent you to prison and have had a gun in your possession more than three times to be ineligible for early release. So you could have been convicted twice for committing a crime and having a gun when you committed that crime and still get out early. And those are the kinds of folks that uh, um, we see that time and time again, you know, repeat. And studies have shown time and time again that folks that uh, are 
carrying a gun in, in a crime are the ones that often repeat. So you think it should be a case-by-case basis? Well, I think, I think they need to be smart about what reform right. is because we know that statistically a very small number of people commit a very large number of crimes. Absolutely. And the thing about it is I, when you talk about these like mandatory sentencings and uh, like uh, three strikes are out, well, right. a lot of that is that discretionary. And in California, if you were in Southern California, prosecutors were very strict on charging. If you were in Northern California, they weren't strict right. on charging. So people who uh, committed the identical crimes in different parts of the state based upon how the prosecutor detri- decided to charge, someone in the southern part of California would be a three-time felon based on the hard charging. Right. And then in the northern part of California, where prosecutors would drop the charges to something else, that three strikes wasn't working the same. So, I mean, you got to be very smart about As Mike said, you got to be smart about reform and, and, and really have significant and substantial reform, and it has to make sense. Sheriff Rickershaw, do, do you work well with the Macomb County Prosecutor's Department? Uh, yes. Um, we, um, we get along. Our, our investigators uh, deal with them on a daily basis. Um, any type of death investigation we believe might be homicide, um, we bring them in and, and run the case by them. So, you know, right now we have a good relationship with them. Same with you guys? Any oh, I absolutely do. But you might want to pose that question to James Craig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that? I've got a great relationship <laughs> with Judge Cooper and, and and our agency. We get along well. You know, we focus on making sure people get justice. You mean, you mean the prosecutor in your department? Uh, judge. J- judge Jessica, Jessica Cooper. Cooper who I still call her judge. She's been, been an appellate yeah, court judge. Right. And, and a circuit course. judge and a district judge. So, before yeah. coming up. That, that's uh, right. I get along with Kim Great. She's, uh, uh, she was a judge, too. Yeah. Kim, she's Kim, Kim Worthy, the yeah, Lincoln she's a very, she's a very strong she's prosecutor, very she. supportive of law enforcement from my perspective. Are there, t- you know, crime, it seems to me sometimes either there's, there's trends in crime or there's the media picks up on trends in crime. Are there crimes you're especially concerned with that you you think the repub- the public needs to be more concerned with? Hmm. Anybody? Well, the big thing you know we're seeing, I'm, I, I think everybody is a scams. I mean, right. they've gotten crazy where, you know, they're calling and they're saying they're calling from the sheriff's office right. or the IRS or the FBI, and if you don't do this and you don't pay right away, right, and and it's just nailing. It's so many people. It's older crazy. people are vulnerable. To that. Well, everybody is. Right. I, yeah, I we had, had a family uh, member recently yeah, get attacked. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, it's. I mean, we had a lady down in East Point that got a call and allegedly was from me, mm-hmm. and, and she had some trouble with the law, and the individual said that you know you have a warrant out for your arrest, but if you go to the you know Walgreens and get a, you know PayPal card and you know twenty five hundred dollars, we won't come and arrest you, and she went and did it, and it was just like, you know, we don't do that. And right. that's always the message, whether it's from the IRS, from local law enforcement. We're not going to call you up and ask you to get money. No one legitimate from any legitimate law enforcement agency will it's call up and that. ask you to no. get money. Never. But you'd be surprised, as both of these guys have stated. You know, I mean, my brother-in-law called me, said, Benny, you coming to arrest me? I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, I just got a call. They said the sheriff is coming. Yeah. I'm like, dude, <laughs> if I was coming to get you, trust me. <laughs> you wouldn't call it back. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, even someone who is very close to folks in law enforcement they, are, are getting, people are doing it, and that's a big, big problem. And they get worried. They get scared. They yeah, pick up right. that phone. Yeah. And is this, oh, is this happening? And, and crazy, a lot of them are run out of a prison down south. The, really? Yeah. There's a lot of these operations that run out of burner phones out of a prison down south. And... It's a real problem. 
Have you? I, I would assume you've contacted the prison authorities. Oh, they know about they it. Know it. Yeah. yeah, they know about it. Yeah, our special investigations has tracked it right to that prison on more than one occasion. And a lot of them are overseas, a lot in, in, in Jamaica in particular. Uh, so, I mean, it's just these, they, 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 with the telephones being the way they are and internet. the internet. And are you suggesting I shouldn't have given my credit card m number to that Nigerian widow? Uh, probably it, not. Yeah. <laughs> don't, Darn. Don't be waiting Darn. for all that money to come from Nigeria. It's not coming. <laughs> Darn. Well, well, how can, obviously, you sort of implied it, but what do you advise people to do to make sure they are safe or they, you know, in my case, a 95-year-old mother-in-law and you live in fear because she's been... Well, you know, people call up and say Social Security is in danger, and that how do you protect folks? You know, you just we just got to keep educating. You know, the education, education. We go on out. I know I do a lot. I'm sure. Absolutely. You know, we go out into the community and we we talk about the different scams. Right. We talk about how to protect themselves when they're out in the community. And I always say, you know, especially in in communities, neighborhoods. You know, really, what we need to get back to is we need to get back to kind of neighborhood watch, where neighbors are looking out for each other. Well, for me, when I talk, I just I stress two things. One, if someone approaches you with a deal that sounds too good to be true, it yeah. probably <laughs> is. And the other thing is, you know, kind of trust your gut. If you if you're unsure about something, call someone else and let them know that uh, you right. know you received this phone call. What do you think of this? But a lot of older people may or may not have people they can call. But you know, if you think you get a call that sounds funny, trust your gut. And there's usually a push, like we need it right now. Right, you got to right. get, you know, this is a one-time offer. The time's clock is ticking. If you don't right. partake, those are absolutely red flags that it's it's a deal, it's a scam, and walk away from it. Can someone call your uh, the sheriff's office and say somebody offered me X? Is this legitimate? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Oh, they do it all the time. All right. the time. And we'd say no, even almost before we hear the facts, because it's we just know it's out there. So yeah. constant. Yeah. It almost happened to my mother, man, and I swear, it, I, she called me like four times before I was able to convince her that it was a scam. And and when she told, right. called me the first time, I was like, that's a scam, don't call back. But the guy kept calling her and even talked to me, and I told him that I was the sheriff of Wayne County, don't call my mother anymore. And he called her again. <laughs> and it's just like unbelievable. And I tell that story to seniors when I talk to them, you know, even people... I could not convince my mother that this guy was not. I still think she's mad at me because she thought that <laughs> she didn't get the money. She had to get something for nothing. The big like, one. Trust me, oh, that's, it, it was not coming. <laughs> that just that just is amazing. Yeah. What's your biggest problem, Sheriff Ricochet? You know we're we're dealing with the uh, you know the the drug um, opiate abuse use um, crimes that are being committed because of uh, those individuals that are, are looking to get their fix and keep that. Um, you know, our deputies at least three, four times a week in our different areas are responding to overdoses and using Narcan. And, you know, we're, we're all our guys in the jail. Is fentanyl the biggest? The fentanyl, the heroin, the opiate, all of that. That's, uh, that's really big here in Macomb County and dealing with it. And, you know, what they're doing to get the drugs. The crimes they're committing. Right. That's, that's it. And we've seen a resurgence in uh, coke and, and uh, meth. Um, of late, we've seen quite a big resurgence in meth, and that typically wasn't the case in our area. Not in our area, it was always the west side of the yeah. state. We were hoping uh, mm. to keep it over there. And, and when while we're talking drugs, uh, you know, I would encourage the legislature to do something with the marijuana situation in terms of 
create a, a system that's clear, that's concise, that regulates it in the in the manner. It seems that, a little chaotic. It's completely it's very chaotic. chaotic. Right. Well, I'll give you I'll give you a specific. So, for example, if we stop you and you've got a warrant for your arrest for shoplifting and right. you've already been sentenced so now you go to jail but when we pick you up you had a legal amount of marijuana on you if you can't just let's say you're going to go to jail for 90 days or a right. year let's say 90 days but right. for whatever purpose so you can't stick that marijuana in a locker because if there's moisture in it right. you're going to have black mold you're going to have mold you're right. going to have all sorts of health issues we can't destroy it because legally you can possess that. We don't want to be in a situation. Let's just say it stays pristine. Right. And we can put it in a locker and can give it back to you when you come out of jail. Now we committed a federal offense of making a delivery of a schedule. Because marijuana is still illegal, federal illegal law. under federal law. So we have absolutely no clarity of what we're supposed to do. We can't destroy it. We can't store it because it becomes a health hazard to our people. So technically, the feds could come in. They're not doing this. but They could come into a so-called legal marijuana business in Michigan and close it down. Absolutely, they could. But what we're saying is Michigan voters voted for it. Fine. You know, that is, we respect, that's one thing sheriffs are. We're constitutional officers. The people have voted. We respect that vote. But the legislature needs to go in and do what they did um, with casino gambling. When it was passed by the people, the legislature went in and wrote a comprehensive regulatory act, said here's how it's going to work, here's how we're going to screen backgrounds, here's how we're going to keep out organized crime, here's how we're going to deal with compulsive gambling. It was very comprehensive. Well, you've been in the legislature. Well, I I wrote that act. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell us, since you probably... uh, they have a more insight than any of the rest of us. Why don't they do that? Because they're so focused on stuff they read on the internet and the politics of both sides are playing back and forth. We spend most of our time fighting stuff we don't need and they ignore stuff we do need. Like, Mm. like, like Tony brought up Narcan. It took me over two years to get the legislature to take up a bill to give law enforcement authority to carry Narcan to save lives. This is something you two some, years. You, you, somebody you can administer to somebody who's had an overdose to prevent them from dying. Yep. Correct. Bring right. them back. Yep. Re- and and we've saved it. well over two hundred at just wow. our office. Yep. So imagine if we had that two years earlier, probably another hundred or two hundred lives just by us. And it took us that long to get them to focus on it because they're focused on so many other things, the, uh, you know, the insect of the state insect and the state flower and, and all these other things that, you know, they're focused on. And we try to get them to focus on where they could help law enforcement. And that's right. not the case. And, and that's a huge one with marijuana because if you look at Colorado and California, they've had a huge influx of cartels. Um, the governor of California recently said we've got to do more regulation to get out the cartels, to get the, the profit away from cartels and back to the legitimate business owners. So they've got a mess and they've got a regulatory structure. We have nothing and it's just a problem waiting to happen. It's a little off the topic, but this is one more, in, in my view, it's one more indication why term limits don't work. I was about to say that, Jack. <laughs> I, I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that the state really needs to examine, and I believe People on both sides of the aisle, if you really ask them, will tell you that we have to look at term limits and either 
expanded terms if you're going to continue right. to have limits or take the limits away because I think it has totally disrupted state government. We have limits. They're called elections. Exactly. And if any of you gentlemen have been told, you can be a police officer for six years and then you can never do it again, who would go in the police work? And right. what kind of police work would we have? Yeah. Well, drugs as much of a problem as ever in Wayne County? Oh, always. Uh, you know, I, we're all experiencing the same things. I think we've seen a uh, resurgence of heroin. Obviously, the prescription drugs are out. I mean, it's just a, that's a huge problem nationally. And, yeah, and the frightening thing is, you know, when I was a kid, you thought of heroin addicts as being down and out jazz musicians or, you know, prostitutes in the alley. I did a television show in Toledo with a bunch of middle-aged, middle-class women who'd become heroin addicts because yeah. they, it was cheaper than prescription medication. We're all seeing that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, well, it starts in a variety of ways. You see uh, two of the most common pathways have been sports injuries uh, or, or some kind right. of surgery. We see a lot of kids that get their wisdom teeth removed. They get them an opioid during that process, and they get addicted. They go out to the street to seek the same pill. That, that pill's 80 or $90. They find a bindle of heroin is maybe $30. There's a transformation, and they get hooked, or worse, you know, it's right. got such a strength they may have fentanyl or carfentanil. And they die. What is carfentanil? Carfentanil is a thousand times stronger than fentanyl. Yeah. Anybody have any policy suggestions how we could deal with that? Well, I mean, yeah. we, we, I think it's a systemic thing. We have to have diversion. We have to have treatment. We can't arrest our way out of it. So we have to have a systemic solution right. that includes all of that. And again, you know, the legislature's focused on lots of stuff and not this. We've asked, uh, you know, a host of things. On, on this front. You know, there's been a lot that's been going on. I can at least speak in Macomb County. I even think Southeast Michigan, you know, we've done a lot more education than we have enforcement. I mean, right. enforcement we still have to do. You know, you have to take people out. But, um, <clears throat> you know, we used to be able to go and when we brought these people back, you know, that overdosed, you know, we gave them some options, you know, go to the hospital, get some right. treatment, or go to jail. Well, now, you know, legislature came says, well, no, you can't do that. If they call for help, you know, you can't arrest anybody, which is we're fine with, but we got to get people help. So we got to keep educating them. Um, there's things going on educating the doctors, the medical field. You know, Mike talked right. about the wisdom teeth. You know, do you need a 30-day supply of Vicodin, you know, for your wisdom teeth coming out with three refills? No. You know, but, you know, those are what was happening in the medical field. They were writing these scripts. So the doctors are starting to get educated. You know, we're educating them in the schools. A lot of programs out there. We have Hope Not Handcuff. Uh, I know in Macomb County where somebody could walk in that's, you know, hitting rock bottom and right. I need help and we make a phone call and people come and try and get them into treatment. So there's still a lot that w we can do. We're, we're educating. We still have to do enforcement. You know, we still have to take, you know, sometimes people to jail. You know, we have to try and find where the source is coming from. I mean, that's just police work. Governor Milliken, who died recently, said to me a couple of years ago, he said the worst mistake he'd made as governor was signing that 650 lifer law that what there were life sentences for anyone third time caught with a certain amount of heroin or cocaine. 650. 650. Well, first time. Right. Well, I mean, life. there's different philosophies. I, I you know, as I said, I don't think we can arrest our way out of it. We've got to have right. diversion, treatment, education. But the people that are profiting from other mm. people's deaths, the people that are muling huge amounts, I think they ought to get hammered because right. they don't care. They, they're they killing people, and they honestly don't care. But You're talking about the major dealers and right. major suppliers. Yeah. Exactly. And to Tony's point, right. you know, to the legislature, again, when we save somebody's life, I can't call the probate court or I can't call the Department of Community Health and say this person just overdosed because it's a HIPAA issue and right. we can't share information. 
I've asked the legislature deal with this so that when we save a life, we can connect them to some kind of help and it gets them in the process. I'd like to see maybe a probate judge or somebody take jurisdiction over them and say, we're going to get you in a treatment. But we can't do that. And I've asked them now for three years, just like we did with Narcan, right. once we save a life, they're going to go back unless they get intervention. And we've saved some people's lives more than once. Mm. We call them frequent flyers, and we've actually had persons we've saved twice, twice and, and then they day. die. And yeah, one day. and right. then they we've die a third time. Yep. That's, you agree? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, we can't incarcerate our way out of this. I mean, I'm, we, I think we need to focus on prevention and treatment, more so on prevention, because right. it, it's easier to stop a person from becoming addicted than to get them off of it once they get addicted. But I'm a strong advocate of prevention. Exactly. There's, it's no secret that there are some people in Detroit, some people in Wayne County, who just don't trust police, any kind of police official. That's true. How do you get beyond that? Oh, God, easy. I mean, I think the, uh, the, the we... I spent my career in a police department that had very close relationships to the community. We did right. so many things to reach out to the community. We had police explorers, police cadets, businesses united with officers and youth, the PAL programs, the chaplain corps, and it was on and on and on the outreach that we had in the community. I'm a strong proponent of residency. I think one of the best things that happened in the city of Detroit is that officers lived in a community that they police. Now, I understand the flip side of that argument, but I think in a major urban area like the city of Detroit, I think it helped the citizens to be able to say that, you know, that cop lives in the neighborhood, that cop's kid goes to school with mine, they go to the church. But then you had a court ruling that said you couldn't allow... Well, to, I think that, the state legislature, the state legislature did away with that. And it was Bouchard's not, fault, you know. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but so, I mean, there are a lot of things I think you can do. Right. But the most important thing is to be, you know, transparent sure. and open and right. have officers who are, are involved in their community right. above and beyond sure. the eight hours that they are there working uh, in law enforcement. And that has proven to work. Community outreach, yeah. community policing, crime yeah. prevention, these are cornerstones of, of the police uh, mentality throughout the nation, and those that are successful with their communities have very strong programs. Now, Oakland County is a lot more affluent per capita than Wayne County, but no. you, have, you have quite <laughs> you have quite <laughs> a, you have quite a range. I mean, oh, absolutely. Uh, and uh, yeah. um, you know, there's some communities, Royal Oak Township, Hazel Park, that are certainly not as well off as some communities in Wayne County. Sure. And are you do you deal with any of this? People who are just very distrustful of police? Oh, of course. You know, I mean, it's a natural reaction for anybody, and certainly more understandable even in minority communities right. that have historical reasons for it. Um, you know, I mean, I remember when I got back into law enforcement, I was driving down the freeway, and I looked in my rearview mirror, and I saw a cop, and I looked at my speed, and I looked in the rearview mirror, and I was like, wait a minute, I'm driving a police car again. I, you know, I mean, it's just police are the disciplinarian of society, sure. so there's always that kind of anxiety, and it's heightened in some communities because of past you know, right. um, wrongs, um, and we have to own those and fix those. But you know, I'll also say this, that because we're such a 24-7 society in terms of news cycle, they have to fill content, that we also are, have cameras everywhere. So statistically, there's not many bad police officers in my mind oh, absolutely. in the country. No. No. But but when they are bad, they need to be held accountable. Sure. And and 100% agree with that. 
But well, there's bad journalists, there's bad businessmen. There's bad everybody. Right, everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You got to police them. And, you and somebody gotta, actually you said statistically, there's less bad police officers than our clergy. I didn't say that. I don't want to get struck by lightning. But, but my point is this: is because there's so many cameras, if there's a bad cop somewhere in southern Arizona, you're going to see it on TV tonight sure. at six o'clock sure. here in Michigan. Right. And it becomes a drumbeat that. Oh man, there's another story about a cop, another story about yep. a cop. But when you're looking at a million cops and maybe eight or 10 really egregious videos in a year, statistically, it's almost non-existent. Doesn't right. minimize it, doesn't no. mean it shouldn't no. be held accountable, but it loses perspective that the vast majority of people are doing the right thing. And we've created this dialogue that cops are the problem. And I think that's part of our recruiting issues. And you and, look at also it's part the, of our engagement yeah. issues. You know, you look at what social media is doing, and, and again, being able to post things real time. And again, the bad stuff does get out there, and it gets played over and over. And now, Macomb County is a place that used to be not very diverse, but it's really the diversity in Macomb County is rapidly rising. Definitely, I think there's probably Definitely close to 100,000 black folks in Macomb County now. Is has this caused issues of that kind? No, it's no matter who this the the citizen is, we're serving right, the right. citizen. And again, our philosophy is go on out there, treat people like you want to be treated. Any type you have, any time you have a contact with a citizen, you know, it's your, it's your right. mother, your father, your grandmother. How do you want to be treated until that right. individual shows you otherwise? You escalate and de-escalate. You know, don't go ahead. No, and, I, and I'm a big proponent. You know, you're driving down the road. Stop. Get out. Talk to people. Right. You know, in your neighborhoods or in the business, go meet the people right. where you're patrolling. You know, build that trust. I mean, w with social media, there's that negative side ask. But there's a lot of positive stuff coming in that we see every day. Email the sheriff. You know, you guys did a great job. They helped me here. They did this. You know, you get more what we call attaboys, girls. Mm -hmm. you know, thank yous for doing little things and engaging in the community than you do when you catch a bank robber. Because people want, you know, that's your job. You're supposed to catch bank robbers. I want to piggyback something that uh, Sheriff Shar said. Uh, I, flipped, I flipped back to my days in Detroit. I had 4,500 sworn people when I was chief uh, at my peak. If what if two percent of that forty five hundred were bad ninety ninety people that you would think the place was going right to pots but ninety eight percent of the people are out there doing the job that they're right. paid to do every single day yeah, yeah. in an exemplary manner but if I had ninety bad cops people would think what's wrong with this police agency well but if you were in business and you had ninety eight percent of your people doing a phenomenal job I think any business owner would take that. Well, that's true. You know, news, people don't realize news, uh, something I do know about, assumes good is normal. And so they don't write a story that says Johnny Jones went to work today and he came home and walked his dog. You know, they, they write about it if somebody is bad. And that's what people, the impression of the public, I agree with you, gentlemen, is that, you know, there are a whole lot more bad cops, bad everything, and it fosters cynicism. Yeah, bleed, but, if it uh, bleeds, it leads. That's, that's what we right. say in law enforcement. You know, it's bad news. Finally, are there any other things I haven't covered that you folks would like to get? Uh, we'll give Sheriff Bouchard, he's, he's the, uh, this is his county, so we'll let him go first. <laughs> Anything you want people to know about police, policing and crime that they might well, not? Well, just the, the, the heart of the men and women in law enforcement. I mean, you know, Benny, uh, Sheriff Napoleon talked about, you know, 98%. I think it's probably closer to 99.5%. Right have a heart to serve. They care about people. Right. They're willing to put their life on the line for a perfect stranger. Um, if we do wrong or they do wrong, they need to be held accountable. I agree 100%. And two of the biggest paths to get to that point is better hiring and better training. And most of the time, those are the first budgets that get cut. 
And then the same people turn around and say, well, why did this happen? Well, you know, if you don't train people to do better in practice, in the real world, bad things happen. And, uh, you know, I think, I think that's important to keep all that in perspective. They're and doing you're good asking things, someone the and risk we're proud of them. You're asking someone, even in comparatively well-paying Oakland County, you're asking someone to put their life on the line every day for $40-some-thousand a year. Yeah, I mean, we just, you know, had a conviction a, a little over a week ago for a deputy killed in the line of duty. You know, mm -hmm. he went to work, and yep. like all the other men and women in law enforcement, knowing that he might not come home, and he didn't come home. Well, we've seen that, the poor policeman in Wayne County. And Everywhere. Wayne, Everywhere. It, it Everywhere. Just is Sheriff Wickersham, want to add anything to that? You know, this echo, um, you know, the men and women that serve are, are there because it's, it's basically a calling and it, it's a profession. Um, we want to keep it professionalized. Um, most of the people that get into it are doing it for the right reasons. So, right. Um, you know, we're going to keep working at getting good people, qualified, train them, and get them out in the car and serve the public. Sheriff Napoleon. Recruiting, training, and retention. Uh, one of the things that I think all of us are uh, challenged with, you know, even if we're able to get good people in and we get, we're able to train them, we lose them. And so the retention aspect have to be uh, paid attention to. What is it going to take for us to get good people in, train them well, continue to train them, and then retain them? Because we're seeing so many quality people who have options to go and right. so many other directions just leaving the profession. And I think we really need to take a very close look at how we're going to be able to keep good people in law enforcement. Well, I think that's uh, that's certainly necessary. I want to thank you all for, for spending this time today, but also for everything you do. I think we could and certainly will go on talking about crime forever, but I've certainly learned a lot today. I think anyone watching this or listening to this podcast is. I want to thank also everyone who donated to help fund the production's cost of this, including Karen Lessonberry, nothing wrong with a little family connection and nepotism, <laughs> and attorney and fellow dog lover Karen Kindbaum. If you two would like to help keep these podcasts going, I'd be thrilled if you'd send a contribution to me via Zing Media Group, 186 North Main Street, Plymouth, 48170. That's in Sheriff Napoleon's jurisdiction. Or message me on Facebook or via my blog for more details. Again, please check out my blog, Lessonberry Inca is an Ink Pen. Click the button to subscribe to both my podcast and other writing, absolutely free. And listen, tell your friends, and feel free to send me a message. This is Jack Lessonberry with the Politics and Prejudices podcast. See you again soon. Police officers and sheriff's deputies and other public safety workers often have an antagonistic relationship with reporters. Journalists are, it's true, often inclined to look for the shocking and sensational. Law enforcement officers know that and tend to worry that reporters want to find a story that involves scandal and one that may make them or the departments look bad. So they clam up and circle the wagons. Reporters mutter about stonewalling and then sometimes resist writing anything good about the police even when they do something great. The result, too often, is something of a Cold War-style standoff. That doesn't serve anybody very well, especially the public. The fact is that the police and the press do, in fact, need each other, and both sides need to realize that more. Forty years ago, I was working in Toledo, Ohio, when all the police and firefighters went on strike. I know how I felt, scared, and so did other reporters and editors I know. A world without law enforcement is a dystopian world of anarchy, sort of like the one imagined by Thomas Hobbes. Life would indeed be nasty, brutish, and short. We need the police, and police, fire, and sheriff's deputies 
need the media to get their messages out to the public to honestly portray what they do, and sometimes to expose corruption in their ranks. There are dishonest reporters, as much as it pains me to say so. There are crooked businessmen and politicians and athletes, and naturally there are crooked cops as well. But unlike those in most other jobs, public safety officials have a license to carry a gun and use it. And sadly, in a few cases, bullies and sadists in police forces have misused their authority. The good news is that it's harder for them to do so these days, not just because of dashboard cams and body cams, because there are video surveillance cameras everywhere. Most public safety officials are good and decent men and women, risking their lives for jobs that are, in my view, outrageously underpaid. We often forget as our concept of news assumes the good is normal and not worth remarking on. If I go home tonight, as I plan to, eat dinner, shovel snow, and watch Netflix, nobody will pay any attention. If I go berserk and shoot up the neighborhood drugstore, well, then I will indeed be on the news. In my perfect world, we'd have tougher standards to weed out police who are bullies, and we'd pay the rest of them at least twice what we do now. I'm Jack Lessenberry. Thanks for listening, and I hope to see you again soon.